Coming up on this week's episode of the Real Lives Podcast. Really not shining no negativity towards uni, but they don't teach you that experience to be able to rebook someone and, and you know, build that connection with someone. It's more just hand, like, you know, just learn these techniques, do this, do that, and then see you later. So like people have this idea of like, you know, you're you're running when you're you're young and you did five Ks in primary school and you're like, oh, I could do that again. Mm. No, you gotta you gotta slow this. So interval, I think interval training is probably one of the best things to do at the start. Any new grad osteos are listening to this, you need to push your niche, you need to figure out what it is you wanna do. So I think, yeah, once I get an injury, straight away it's like I'm not diagnosing myself because I know I listen to myself. A lot. Like everything takes time. And that's and I, that's goes back to everything that I said at the start, you know, you're you're dealing with people that have pain, but try to get them to buy into the rehab and the strength is like really tough. On this week's episode of the Realize Podcast, I have on the wonderful, the great Osteo with Will. Will is uh, an osteopath from Melbourne, and on this like, I've worked with Will over the past year of being in Melbourne, and Will is absolutely fucking great. Um, really great guy, really knowledgeable, and we have a conversation about dealing with injuries, building his business as an osteopath, how you know he transitioned from university to the actual uh, hands-on field of osteopathy, um, dealing with clients to then we get on a conversation about running, we get into the best tips for beginners who are getting into running, the shoes that you're wearing, everything like that. We even talk about my knee injury, which he was a massive help with in the build-up to that, so huge thanks to him. Um, so yeah, I hope you enjoy this episode with Will. Will, also, I apologise. I have no idea how to say your second name. So I'm just going to pretend that, that that's not there. And we'll call you Osteo with Will. Um, you can find all his links down in the description below. So enjoy this episode with him. And I will see you next week for another episode. I've always wanted to do like um, interviews while running. Yeah, that, that would make... be fucking like a, like a running interview. Like, I like that. Because you, when you're running, you, I don't know, your mind, it works mm. better. Oh, when 100%. You're, when you're like chill, yeah. you're just going through that euphoricness and you're just like, this is nice. Yeah, maybe the first like five minutes are a bit like, oh, I don't know what to do. And yeah, then after yeah. that, it like, it, because just, it flows into a conversation, yeah. doesn't it? But then it's, the thing is, is like, how do you record it? Do you do it like yeah. the guys on Instagram where they're like, hold well, no, like that? You, all you have to do is plug your mics and then your phone goes in your pocket. No, I mean like the, the video. Oh, you wouldn't even have video. You'd you wouldn't do video. Podcast. Oh, that'd be It'd just be literally a podcast. Yeah. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. He's yeah, a bit right. puffed out, but yeah, it's funny. <laughs> yeah, nah, it'd be good. Imagine doing one of them during a tempo session, though. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't be a tempo. It'd be like a, a long, slow run. Yeah. <laughs> a couple hours or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, no, so we'll start off with like, let's just explain who you are and what you do. Yeah. So just give a brief overview of like what your job is, what your role is, and then yeah. sort of like the run club as well. Yeah, so my name's William Gutierrez. Um I've been an osteopath for... Just over four years now. Um, I'm now a director, so I started my own clinic this year, which is really exciting. Um, and also this year started the Run Club, which is based in Maribyrnong, um, along the river, looking to eventually expand into two days and start to get it a bit more, mm. I guess, inclusive for weekends and stuff so any of the tradies can come. So, yeah, just trying to build the community. So, yeah, yeah tie that in with osteo and just push my passion for running. Mm. It's good fun because obviously you got like you have got a massive passion for well not just running but fitness in general like because yeah. you play you play 
AFL footy, um, and try you know to. you try to, <laughs> <laughs> and then obviously you, you you train in the gym yourself and stuff. So I think an important part to start with, especially when you're working in that sort of industry, is what is your philosophy behind what you do in terms mm-hmm. of like, you know, you get some people who focus on specific things, but what is your ideal route to go down, and how do you sort of push yourself to be better in that? Yeah, like it, it took a time, took time, like, you know, early days with my footy, I was very gym dominant, you know, I didn't really focus too much on running, I'm like, you know what, I'm running in footy, that's enough, but as I've gotten older and learned more about the body and, um, you know, osteo and that sort of thing, the importance of doing, you know, the running and then complementing it with gym and sort of having that nice balance between, so... Typically, you know, you'll do your push-pull session, you know, to look to look good. Yeah. And then, um, you know, your overall strength sessions with your core and your legs and that sort of thing for more complementary to running. So you sort of tie that in through your week, three days, and then, you know, three to four days of running, I think, is really ideal. Um, but it's just all about having that balance, you know. If you want to be a good runner, you need to have that strength. Mm. And if you want to be, you know, a good overall athlete, you have to do both. Simple yeah. as that. Yeah. Yeah, it's like... Because most people don't want to be elite athletes, so you don't need yeah. to be running five, six, seven yeah, days a week. No. So it's like, go and have fun, go and run and have fun, and then go to the gym so you can complement the running, but also look good, which is what everyone wants to do, <laughs> like, let's be honest. It's why everyone starts at the gym. Yeah. And then it's like, whatever you then do on the side of it, like, you know, like I was doing jujitsu and stuff, and yeah. it's like, you just have to find the balance where you can do all the things mm. you enjoy to do, especially if you want to be an active person, you know? That's it. Yeah, no, I think, I think, Especially, like you said, having fun. Like, and, and if you aren't, and if you're constantly getting injured, it's never going to be fun. No. You know, as you would. Mate, as you would. Literally. <laughs> you would past a year. <laughs> Hence why my knee is like a fucking balloon now. Like. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's, and that's it. Like, obviously, you do a lot of strength, but you're just unfortunate. But, you know, for people that are, you know, constantly getting injured and you want to keep doing it and you want to do other things, then mm. having that balance is really important. Yeah. Yeah. It's massive. So, why that osteopath route? Why, what made you want to take that at uni? Yeah, oh, it was... I always wanted to do something to help people. Like, first mm. of all, started to be... I wanted to be a PE teacher. Yeah. Um, which I still do, but one day. <laughs> um, and then, I don't know, I, I obviously had my fair share of injuries coming through the ranks as a footy player. So I saw physios, chiros. I never saw an osteo, so I only saw the physio and chiros. And it wasn't until um, my mum actually introduced me to an osteo that she worked at the clinic in, in Nim in Hawthorne. Um, and he was an awesome guy. Like, he's like, yeah, come, come observe. I was like 15. I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll come in. And just the, I guess, just watching and seeing how he sort of managed the patients and the patient's feedback, he sort of stepped out of the room like, oh, what do you think? And he, they're like, he's amazing. I'm just like, wow, like this guy's full changing this person's life, you know? Yeah. Um, so from then on in, I did a few more um, days with him on and off, and I'm like, you know what? I want to be an osteo. So I, um, yeah, tried really hard. Um, I didn't actually get it in, get into osteo straight away. You know, year 12, I didn't exactly try too hard, but I did a, a, a sort of external route and got into it a year later. Um, mm. And then, yeah, I haven't looked back since. It's been great. Yeah. So you said there, obviously, there's like you'd seen physios, chiros, but then mm. you're an osteo. So just give a brief overview of what the differences are between the three. Yeah. Well, my understanding, like, obviously, it's biased, you know, yeah. I'm an osteo. But, you know, physios, because um, they can work in hospitals, they really focus a lot on rehab mm. um, and they're, they're masters at rehab. Um, but these days, once again, very holistic. They're very hands-on too. So it depends who you see. 
chiropractors generally from the spine, so they're they're, they're spinal focused. Um, you know, a lot of adjustments and things like that. Um, whereas I like to think that osteo sits somewhere in the middle, depending on who you are. You can be sort of hybrid. You can do a bit of hands-on, a bit of rehab, and you just essentially cater to the patient. So if the patient needs to move more, you'd obviously favour more rehab. If the patient's generally just tight and stiff and they need some work done, you do more hands-on. So it's just catering to the patient. That's sort of my understanding of it. Yeah. yeah. How hard of an industry is it to get into? Uh, look, it's 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 tough in the sense of. You know, the, the uni work's tough. You've got to do a lot of lot of anatomy. That's really a bit of a shock to the system. And then once you get into the, the world of osteo and you sort of start at a clinic, it's like it's a really tough because you've got to... Because they don't really... Not shine no negativity towards uni, but they don't teach you that experience to be able to rebook someone and, and you know, build that connection with someone. It's more just hand, like, you know, just learn these techniques, do this, do that, and then see you later. So... You've got to sort of be able to connect with the patient, be able to rebook them, and then build a client list. Um, mm. So it was pretty, pretty bloody difficult, you know. Um, and a lot of people do struggle with it. So yeah, it's 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 tough. But once you find your feet and you you sort of find your niche, I think you can develop into a pretty amazing osteo. Yeah, the the hardest part because it's the same with like being a PT and stuff is mm. the rebooking people. Like if yeah. if people go, I'm going away on holiday there's probably like a 60, 70% chance that they're not going to come back when they get back. So what, what do you sort of do to make them want to come back rather than you got like, you know, having to message them later that they're, they're then messaging you like, Oh, I'm back now. Can I book in with you this week yeah, or next yeah. week? What have you? It's really, it's really, really bloody good question. Um, look, I, the biggest thing I, I really want to do and, and what I like to like, obviously I don't really like they come in with a back injury, whatever. The biggest thing is you want to make an impact on their life. So whether it is changing their lifestyle, whether it is getting them confidence to go to go for a run, go to gym. So you're trying to impact their life in a positive way um, to you know build that trust. Yeah. And then I feel like once you build that trust and they are going on a holiday, that percentage of them coming back is much higher. You don't really have to push because they know you know you're 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 got their best interests at heart. You're trying to you know get them better. Um, so I feel like having that, you know, trust and, you know, friendship um, really helps. Um, mm. But, yeah, there is times when, you know, people will come in and they, they get fixed and then that, that's, that's it. You probably will never see them again, which is, I guess, part of the job. You know, it just depends what type of person they are. They just, maybe they just like to try different people. Mm. It's up to them. But, yeah, I think just building trust. Yeah. Because it is a weird one, isn't it? Like, because it's when you get those people who, you know, they may come in once and then they don't come back, but it's because of that. They just think, oh, it's, you know, however much, like $100 a session. Yeah. And they're a bit like, oh, I don't want to be spending that money. Mm. But, like, it's so important to spend that kind of money. Mm. Well, especially mm. if you're doing, like, you know, you're running four or five days a week and stuff. Yeah. You have to be spending that money because you can't just be putting all your money into the, like, all the gear and then not yeah. looking after the actual engine that's yeah. keeping it running, you know what yeah. I mean? Well, that's, like... I wish everyone had that mindset, you no. know. Um, but yeah, it's a thing like, you know, oh, I can get through it, I can get through it. And it's not until people start breaking down into the real injury, mm. not the prior, I think people go, oh, shit, I need to do something about this. So yeah, it's, it's, it's also our job as well to educate people. 
um, you know, explain that, you know, you're, you're running this much, you're doing this much, you know, you've got to give back to your body, whether it is, it doesn't have to be just be osteo or chiro or physio, you know, it's the cold plunges, the stretching, mm. you know, the, the rehab, the strength stuff. So yeah, education is important, but yeah, it's, it's tough. It's tough to mm. sell that sometimes, yeah. you know? So how do you manage to educate someone in a 45 minute session, like to the point where they're then it's in their head that they're coming back because they, you know, they need to be mm. looking after themselves. Well, I think, like I said, establish that trust at the start. Explain, like, obviously try your best to diagnose. Like, obviously we don't have x-ray vision to be like, it's exactly this muscle, but you, you diagnose to the best of your abilities and then you explain how that diagnosis works, what it is, what it's affecting, how it's affecting. That way the patient understands because if they don't understand, they're just like, oh yeah, sprained rib, like they just don't really know. And then you tie that in with treatment. Obviously, you want them to feel good. So you, you, you touch them, you move, you move their joints around, you, you fix what needs to be fixed, your needle, your cut, whatever you need to do. And then I really like to spend a lot of time on rehab at the end because I feel like if you just go, oh, I do this, this, and this, you write it down, nine times out of 10, they're going to put it in their pocket, they're going to wash their pants, it's going to be gone, or they won't check their email. So you've got to go through it with them, make sure they're doing it right so they can see that change. Because... 45 minutes in a room versus let's say I see them a week later, they've got, let's say you're up 14, 16 hours a day. You've got that other time you could be doing other things. So I think it's so important to get them to do those things. So when they see you next week, they're like, oh, actually, I, I didn't do this right. Can you check this? Rather than like, oh, I didn't even do them at all. You yeah. know what I mean? So that's how you can maximize using that 45 minutes to an hour, whatever it is, to get them to sort of see a change. Mm. Not just the hands-on, you know, like it's outside the room. Yeah. yeah. So which do you prefer doing then? Do you prefer being the like the ha- hands-on in in the room, you know, doing like sort of the massage therapy, cupping, mm-hmm. dry needling, what have you, or do you prefer the in-gym rehab work? Yeah. Well, look, ideally I think the, the rehab work is mm-hmm. amazing, um, but people love to be treated. Yeah. Like, you know, it feels good. Mm-hmm. It, it helps. So I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's a juggle. Um, I personally, I love treating, like I'm very hands-on. So, um, you know, needling is like one of my favorite things to do because I see that has the biggest change. Um, but there is a time where I'd love to work with people, especially in the running realm, um, to get them doing, you know, strength stuff with me to get them ultimately better. I think that would be amazing. But, you know, still love, still love the both until these hands break down. I think, I think it will Lean to one side. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I remember you saying there was someone who you worked with, and they had to take time off because they ended up with tendinopathy. I think yeah. was it? Yeah. yeah. Like, so what are you? What are you doing for yourself where you're able to actually continue doing the work? Because, like, obviously, for people who don't know, it's a lot of like you're working a lot of muscles that you would never usually yeah. use, and it, but you're doing it nine hours a day, yeah, five days a week, yeah. sort of thing. Well. It's, it's an adjustment to begin with. Like, like with anything, you start running, you're going to be sore. Mm. But yeah, like the, the elbows and the, like, you know, the tennis elbow, the golfer's elbow, that sort of thing creeps up. And, you know, it's just your tendon's not used to the load. Um, so I think the more you do it, the better, of course. Um, but, you know, a lot, of, a lot of weird finger exercises, a lot of forearm exercise in gym. You know, when I used to do it when I was young, I'm like, what is this even doing? You know? What is this forearm? <laughs> so, you know, doing a lot of that... Um, 
you know, grip, grip strength's really important. So, and I think another thing as well, technique, like doing extra courses that teach you how to actually do it properly. Yeah. Like when you're reinforcing with the elbow, not just sort of dropping your shoulder and like, it's like jarring, your shoulder. you know, get, get your other hand up, really try and help your body out, lean into it. Those sort of things, you know, um, obviously the patient can handle your elbow. You'll always choose your elbow to use yeah. that way. Um, you know, you can help your body in the long run. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I couldn't, yeah. I like, because obviously the way I am, I'd probably end up like out of work for <laughs> six months. Whatever works is whatever. <laughs> Literally, I'm using my knee or something. Like, but yeah. yeah. Like, so obviously, a lot of in- injuries you get are common, like you know, IT band syndrome, mm. tendinopathies, mm. things like that. So you've treated them, you know what you're going to do with them. But then, like, let's let's have a look at my case where it was something that I'd never heard of, yeah. you'd never heard of, and so what? Crazy yeah. So like, obviously, being bipartite patella, it's where there's two two boat like the, rather than have one kneecap, you have basically one and a half. It's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, honestly, and then so yeah, obviously that resulted in knee surgery, having having it removed and stuff. But so when I came to you and obviously said, "Look, this is what it is." What were you? What was your process then? Obviously, for the next time that you saw me and then treated me. When you told me. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I you, my my colleagues will. Um, <laughs> so like I, I, I went to them we all sat down we, mm. we, we discussed it because it's such a such a rare thing like mm. uh, you know four years I haven't heard of it and I yeah. probably won't hear it for another ten you know probably not maybe, no. maybe <laughs> even so we, we, we scrambled we, I assessed like I got an old video of you whilst at run club of mm. you running to like zoom in and see how your knee's hitting and where we can sort of load and we sort of went that adductor route which is like the inner leg muscles and we really tried to hone on that because you're quite a you know active person so you're mm. already doing a lot it was just trying to find like all right what haven't we done with you right yeah and you know really like really yeah, over the course of the the four years of venosity i've never had to go down the surgical route it's always been trying to conservatively treat you know if, let's let's offload and, and strengthen and oh, unfortunately in your case it didn't work but i think you chose the right route we got you the right route which is the surgery and Mm. Um, now it's about re-strengthening you and getting yeah. everything back to where it was and you you know, you shouldn't have an issue now because we've gotten rid of that yeah. bit that's obstructing yeah. all those muscles. It wasn't just that actually that she said when they did the surgery obviously they did the, the lateral release of the I, th- I think it was of the fascia yeah. and she said just the, the length really? it was allowed to gain yeah wow. as a result because it was so so tight but what she said that's amazing she said that when so when they went in and did the arthroscopy, essentially mm-hmm. they found wear and tear um, on the top of the on the top of the tibia, mm-hmm. and she thinks it's a re- she thinks it was a result of essentially because that structure on the outside of the knee becomes so tight because the bone had just been constantly rubbing on wow. it, it's pulled the kneecap like in towards yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the tibia and fibula sense, right? and it's trying to so, space. yeah so it's just been wearing away at it but then obviously because she thought I'd maybe like uh, done something worse after surgery I had another x-ray and actually so you can see from the x-ray before that I got and then the x-ray after the bone has leveled itself out wow. so it's equal distance now on both sides compared to before where on that out that outer side it was sort of like right down against yeah, yeah. The, the other structures which is yeah it's crazy so mm. it's one of those things isn't it where you really always want to avoid surgery yes, yes. but 
like it say in my case like i just absolutely needed yeah when it was medically necessary and we did everything Mm -hmm. and you got all the scans and you got all the advice i think you chose the right route like it was just it just got to that you know Mm -hmm. um but yeah 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 it's good that you tried though like i think a lot of people will never go down that route straight away Mm -hmm. like the conservative route because they're like i just want to get fixed yeah and more often than not they get the surgery and the pain comes back because they haven't addressed the the issue. Like, they're just weak. Yeah. You know? So I think with you having that knowledge, you'll re-strengthen. I mm. think it's the best route. How problematic is it that... Because here, obviously, you have Medicare. So, like, for surgery, you're partially covered for whatever, whatever surgery it may mm. be. And then, obviously, in the UK, it's even worse because we have the NHS, so everything's free. Yeah. So how problematic is it that people can just sort of go, you know what, I'll just take surgery, rather than being forced down the conservative route first. Yeah, I think I think because it's so accessible here, mm. um, people will opt into it. Um, and, you know, not doing that prehab or even trying the rehab is can be really detrimental. And like I said before, like if you'll just end up with the same issue um, unless it is as simple as like a rupture. You know, yeah. you've got to reattach the tendon or the, the, the ligament. That's fair enough. You know, mm. You've got to get that fixed. But things like shoulders, they're so, so advanced and people just go and get these surgeries and, you know, it's good, think it's going to be fixed and then it doesn't and then it's like, well, what do I do now? You know, yeah. it could make it worse. Um, so I think, yeah, I think that's where we come into it and we educate, like I was saying before, and you sit down with them and you, you put it all out to them and then, then, you know, that's your job, that's your role and then they make the decision, right? You, you mm. can't force them so i think that's where we sort of come into it um but definitely not negating any surgeons or anything like that i think i think they've they've got their role and they've been doing that role for so many so many years so um i guess it's just our job to 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 educate and then yeah well some sometimes it is up like you said it's absolutely necessary like if if you've got like a quad tendon rupture Yeah. You know, you're pretty, you you, you're pretty screwed if you that, don't. Only, unless you want to be on crutches, like yeah. But, yeah. And it, I like it's wild that some people will not get surgery, say for a, like an ACL rupture yeah. and stuff like that, because you know, and because actually, so it's interesting how the body can function. So, like, if you have a quad tendon rupture, you cannot walk. There's no chance. But there's a so. I've still now like I used to skate when I was younger, and I still watch like skate parts and stuff. And there was a documentary about called about a guy called Ryan Sheckler, and he hadn't done a part oh, in five years. Yeah, yeah. And over, I think it was 20, 2019 to twenty twenty two, he filmed this video part. And during it, he goes to land a trick, and you can see so they slow mo it when he goes to land, and he pops his knee, and you can see it happen. See it, yeah. And he still goes back like this trick is like the guy's taking a solid like fifteen foot jump in the air landing on a bank like straight down like the impact and he managed to get up went back did it again landed it so even after he's popped his knee and then it was a couple of weeks later so he was still going out like landing tricks and stuff yeah and then he goes out a few weeks later and he did there was one and it was like the ender of his part which is where he was on a bank and the slopes say like that like it's a good you're talking like almost sort of 90 degree vertical Mm. like drop down and he did like sort of a kickflip drop off it. And every time he like didn't land it, it was just a car crash. And you could see on one where his knee just caved. And obviously because there was no ACL in the first place, it just, it just everything just went. And he was out then for, I think it was a year. 
like just wasn't able to get back to it yeah and it's like but it's crazy how the body can still function on some like even though Mm -hmm. an ACL is a massive injury it can still function somewhat on that but then on a like a quad tendon rupture you just don't stand a chance of doing anything it's true and yeah well speaking about ACLs like there's there's a lot of research going out there that are saying not to do it and that it's all dependent on what injury you've got oh sorry not what injury you've got what you want to get back to like obviously Mm -hmm. you want to get back into oh I would think skateboarding, <laughs> but for his case, maybe not. Yeah. But definitely, like you know, Aussie rules soccer, any of that agility sports, I think it'd be quite hard. But if you're just going to get back into running straight line, I think you could. You yeah. Know? But yeah, quadriceps tend a different story because it's like the union between mm. you know, a bunch of muscles, and yeah, it'd be, it'd be pretty, be pretty tough. You'd have to be grow like an extra it. <laughs> I don't know. You'd have to like somehow grow across the knee to to, to function, but. Yeah, it, it is really interesting. Um, I, but I guess ligaments and tendons have a different role. And, yeah, um, yeah just, I guess it would depend on what ligament you'd rupture. Mm. It's quite scary because, obviously, I thought it was po- it was possible that I had ruptured the quad tendon because I, I could not activate my quad. Mm. And that was the scariest thing was, mm. like, just, like, I couldn't, every time I stepped on that leg, it's that inability to stabilise. And yeah. you don't realise how important it is just to be able to, activate slightly to be able to stabilize when walking the amount of times when i was just coming off the crutches i'd just take a step and i'd be fine and the, like flat surface there's mm. no you know nothing changing and i do like my leg would just collapse wonky. yeah like, because it just wasn't <laughs> used to it and it's like honestly it's crazy that you know we the body has all these structures that allow us to function in a way that we think is just normal and like, yeah, we take it for granted. Don't yeah, we? absolutely do. And then, like, obviously, when you can't activate your quad, and you realise like, how important it is. Yeah, yeah, you sort of shit yourself a bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess it takes it takes injuries for us to realise, right? Mm. You know, a simple ankle sprain. You feel like you literally can't. You feel like you've snapped your ankle. Oh, it's awful. And then three days later, you'll be like, Where, "Where's it gone?" Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's amazing. But I, I couldn't imagine that feel. I've never had that in the knee. It's my knee's blown up once before, where I was like, I literally locked. Yeah. That's because I, you know, injured the meniscus. But like, if you're not being able to wait there, would be so scary. Oh, yeah. I think I think yeah, and it's enough to be like, what the hell is going on? You know, yeah, get a bit worried. Yeah. Um, so how did you? How, well, I guess I'll ask you. How did you combat? Not like, oh. did you call your surgeon or? Yeah. Did you just like? So I called the surgeon, and essentially what had happened was because the bleed into the joint was so yeah. severe, I went in and got it drained. Um, so I did the x-ray and she looked at that she was like look everything looks healthy so I don't because she was also from the x-ray she was looking at the placement of the knee the kneecap so mm-hmm. obviously if you did ruptured your quad tendon it would probably fall down yeah the position. I was going to say it would be pretty yeah but still still yeah so it's a possibility yeah it's a, it was you a possibility you would be shit house oh right? yeah <laughs> um, so yeah I did that and then went in and got it drained and she took I think it was like 50 mil of blood out of the knee Oh, oh my gosh, man. Yeah, it was a lot. And I was, but I was watching her do it. Did it hurt? It didn't, you know. No. Because it was, I think just because it was so swollen. You just, I just went in. Yeah, just... like, you think it's swollen now, you should have seen it then. It wow. was so bad. Like, I had, so after surgery, I'd managed to get to probably about 100 and, 110 degrees range of movement, like, pretty good. And then after, awesome. after the bleed, it was like, 30, 30 yeah, degrees and yeah I couldn't couldn't walk on it like because I couldn't I just couldn't flex at the knee 
to be able to get that walk cycle at all and then obviously couldn't stabilize and stuff yeah. so it was yeah it was pretty hectic but so for you have you since being an osteo and obviously you've learned a lot from dealing with other people have you had injuries then that you rather than going to someone else you've dealt with yourself because you you feel like you're capable enough to do that or are you like the kind of person where when it's yourself you just can't like me I can't slow down like I have yeah. to get someone else to do my programming for me because otherwise I just do too much too soon you yeah. know what I mean well that's spot on like mm. I'm I'm the terrible if I was you know a patient I'm terrible like um you know especially years ago you know I pushed through injuries through footy and now I'm suffering now so mm. I think yeah now these days now being you know an osteo I definitely like you know I always annoy Matt my colleague you know hey man can you help me out here um but recently this year like i've been you know getting help from a myo you know and then mm. getting help from you know a physio as well just to help me get all those different niches and obviously the people i work with which i'm pretty blessed to have around me so i think yeah once i get an injury straight away it's like i'm not diagnosing myself because i know i won't listen to myself i'll always yeah. go you know an example was two weeks ago i i fell on my hip and my my lovely fiance was like you know, we'll make sure you get a scan. And, you know, I was like, yeah, 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 I'll get one, yeah, whatever. But, like, in my head, I was, I wouldn't have got one. Um, <laughs> but, you know, she persisted and I'm happy yeah. I did because it ruled out a potential fracture and um, and then I had the confidence to go back, you know. But yeah. if I didn't know, then it would have been, like, up in the air, well, it's still sore. Because it's still sore now, but it's just now that I know it's not anything serious, you can, deal with you it. can push through it, you know. Mm. As long as you push through those, um, the pain barriers, you know, you only go below that five out of ten. Um, so yeah, I think getting someone else to look after me is definitely the way yeah. to go. Cause no, nah, I don't, I'm not a great patient. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think we're, I think we're quite the same in that in terms of like, I know if I program for myself to do like 10 reps at 80%, I'm probably doing 12, 13. Yeah. Like, I, know. I just, I, it's, it, I don't know what it is. I just can't. Because I, it's, it's that thing of when you're working at percentages and stuff like that, mm. you know, you've got more in the tank. Yeah. And you kind of like, oh, just lift a little more, more, do one more rep and stuff like that. And then obviously you shouldn't do that because you're then probably going to overload and get injured to a point yeah. where it's yeah, not sustainable. <laughs> You'll do it that session. <laughs> you feel good, but yeah. then yeah, the, the next session. But I feel like it's the same with running, right? Like, you know, you, you go out there and you, you, you'd you be probably accustomed to this too, where you're, you're running and then you're like, I feel good. I'm yeah. push. And it's supposed to be a slow run. Yeah. You know, and you hit that, you know, that, that, that top speed. And then you're just like, after you're like, well, we shouldn't have done that. But yeah, and you know, you want to you want to try and build that base, but you're constantly doing like faster runs. It's just it's just not yeah. sustainable. So. It's, it's not just that as well. It's the it's when you're building your distance, and yeah. or even when you so like me when I'm coming when I do come back from this, yeah, in like well, a couple be months, for you, man. Uh, <laughs> because like I used to run like 13, 14 miles, and, like oh, actually find it comfortable, and now yeah. I'm like. 10 minutes like yeah. one minute one minute run one minute walk yeah it's just it's i don't know it's because it's that thing of knowing where you once were yeah to then where you actually are now it's yeah. very hard sometimes to be like even if you do feel good that day it's still very hard to go you know what i'm just gonna hold back and yeah. not push it too far That's hard. but you were good though i remember initially mm. we tried we cut it back Oh, the, I remember you looking at back I remember looking at Strava, and it was just like this lovely little like slow so increase. Perfect. Yeah, and it was just like just I even still doing that, obviously because the type of injury just still hit and yeah. wasn't good. But yeah, like but at least you tried. Yeah, that's you know, it. That's the biggest thing. Yeah, you could have, yeah, 
that that that's my thing is like now I know mm. not to do that. But even still, there's that thought in your head always of like, oh, I could just I could just do an extra five yeah. minutes. <laughs> you know, it's a nice day out there. Like, why not? <laughs> that, that's just it, and yeah, it's it's having that. I guess accountability to stop, you know, mm. and, and not go that extra mile. But yeah, sometimes you get away with it though. And sometimes, good, not, good on you. <laughs> not in my case, <laughs> but yeah. So in terms of like treatment, you take a more, I'd say, like therapeutic approach. In terms mm. of, you use a lot of needle and you'll do cupping therapy and stuff yeah. like that. So sort of break them down as to why you use them and why they benefit people rather than just the you know the usual massage route and all that kind of thing yeah so i think i i got introduced to needling three years ago and i just literally haven't looked back you know mm. I've, I've gotten needled myself many times and i've i've even needled friends and just got that honest feedback i'm like what like does it like what are you actually feeling so um getting that positive feedback and then myself um i just think it's the best route because it actually gets into the muscle belly it creates a stimuli, um, it helps relax it. Not initially, obviously, of course, over the course of a few days, you might feel sore after. I always tell people you're gonna feel like a punch in the leg and then eventually you'll start to unwind. Mm. Um, and then the cupping approach was is more of a one, because you do pull up pretty sore from needling. Let's say you've got, you come to me like, Will, I've got a long run tomorrow. I'll probably choose like a deep tissue, some articulation and then more cupping because I know cupping you're going to feel good after you're not going to feel sore Mm. Um, so that's sort of how I'll distinguish them but I I do still favour like maybe with the needling I might not do any pissing I might just do just leave them in just leave them in let them do their thing and then pull them out after a longer duration rather than me going yeah so what so what's it what is it actually doing for those who don't know um, when obviously with the needling like if you say so break down when you're leaving it in for a long period yeah. and then also break down when you're doing that sort of pistoning method because like, yeah. you've done that with me and it's in, it's intense. Like. It is, it is. So look, the, there's obviously a deep scientific reason, um, mm. but I guess the, the easiest way to explain it is, you know, you're putting something in a high-pressure area. Obviously, you've got a tight muscle, you've got a, you've got a restricted muscle. You're putting it in there mm. and you're, by putting it in there, you're actually increasing the pressure. So the muscle itself is trying like really hard to get this foreign object out of your body by almost like twitching. Yeah. yeah? Like so obviously it twitches when you get in, it's like, what the hell is this? Like like what's that so it tightens up, it tightens yeah. up. But if you don't want to piss in it, that's fine. You leave them in there and over time that tightening will get sort of it'll be like, okay, it's not it's not a threat. Let's just mm. relax, let's relax. But the pissing is like you're constantly in and out of the belly. So it's constantly contracting. So yeah. it's like boom, 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 and then eventually the it will go away. Like the, 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 the twitching will go away, which is when I know I'm like, okay, I'll, it's done. Like it's, 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 it's relaxed. So I think just, it's sort of like tricking the muscle into working to sort of then release. That's yeah. sort of the most basic way to put it. There's obviously a way more scientific reason, but as well, you know, you are, you are penetrating the muscle, so you're going to bring more blood to the area. Um, and then that way, you know, over the course of a few days, it can relax. Mm. But it's never, it's never instant. It's normally like a bruise to start with. And then, it, and then it heals pretty nicely. Yeah. yeah. And then so for the cupping therapy as well, what, what are we promoting there? What's sort of yeah. going on with that? Well, blood gets stagnant mm. all around our body. You know, I've, it's so funny when, you know, you get someone that's really stressed, had a stressful week and you cup them and you're like, whoa, your bruises are huge this week. 
And then a week later, they're like, I've had a good week and there's no bruises. So I think blood gets really stagnant. You're using the pressure from the cup to draw the you know bad blood to the mm. surface. And then over the course of the days when it's healing, it's like slowly draining. And then, you know, there's a wet cup. I don't do wet cupping, but that's obviously bringing the blood out. Yeah, I've seen that a few times yeah. and it's a bit, I thought it's a bit intense. It's a that. bit intense, but my partner actually just got it recently and like, it was fine. Like it was all mm. just after a couple of little cuts but yeah that's obviously bringing it out and physically instead of bringing it to the surface and then just leaving it so what's the benefit of bringing it out rather than just bringing it to the surface well you know stagnant blood old blood whatever you want to call it you know it's it's just there and you know sometimes it stays there and it like restricts and causes tension and that sort of thing so by actually bringing it out you're Mm. you're helping you know bring more blood and replenish it rather than sort of leaving it there and yeah. just festering especially if you're not super super active and you're, you're not moving your body not circulating your blood a lot of it can get really stagnant so I think using the actual cuts and then bringing it out it's actually physically bringing it out well mm. I've never done it though I can't really speak too much about it but that's why I would use say you know pre-competition if you're in like a heavy week of footy or heavy week of running you want to get as much new blood much toxins out mm. and then get you back yeah so that's that kind of treatment. Say someone's coming in, they've got a, a forty match on a Saturday. They're coming in yeah. on like a on a Wednesday. What what are you gonna do with them? Say they've got like tight hamstrings, and they sort of they're like, look, I've got this game. It's a big game. Like, yeah, yeah. What Which will be probably the next few weeks as finals. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess tight ham is massive in footy, but always lower back. Like you look at the lower back, it's gonna be angry as. So I'd yeah. always start there. Um, you know the hips as well it's quite an agile so you're always stabilizing through your glutes so yeah I'd always work through the glutes and whether it is the combination with the needling in the glutes with the mobilization after then I'd and I reset this hammy like how's your hammies feel if the hammies are still really tight then I'll work through the hammies and then needle the hammies as well so it's sort of like you start you start where the where the prominent issues and they, they don't really know that because all they feel is their hammies yeah. and then you work down and reassess and then obviously vice versa and most people have feet history you know really tight plantar fascia really tight calves mm. so you'd start from the ground up so you just, you're just sort of looking around the body um, yeah. to sort of see where the where the patterns are and then work towards the the, the, the alarming issue which is yeah. sometimes the hammies are like a bit tight but it could be elsewhere the, I, I want to go back there to obviously yeah. you said about the feet issues because I think that's like a huge, especially wow. now, it's a huge problem for people. Like, especially in sport though, because you look at the shape of boots. Oh so yeah, we'll, like it's impossible to find. Yeah, impossible. Was, was it you? Sh- was it you shared a video of a ba- what a baby's foot mm. looks like and how it can like if you put your finger on a baby's foot, mm. they can actually sort of grip. Yeah, the finger and it's yeah. like, and it's crazy how. Because we like a certain style of trainer yeah. or like a certain That's style what we've been of boot, pushed away, yeah. yeah, we then like create this sort of very narrow toe box, which yeah. then reshapes the foot and yeah. remolds it. Like, and you know, I, I remember when I was a kid, and people used to go on about like bunions, and you used to think, oh, it's just a thing that people get. Yeah. It's actually like it's not. Like, just stop wearing shit yeah. shoes. Like, yeah. actually wear shoes that allow your feet to move and, yeah. and breathe, sort of thing. Well, that's that, that's that's literally only the last few years I've noticed that. You know, because I, mm. I, I myself, all through juniors, seniors, I've been wearing those pointy shoes. So this year and last year, I've been copying a lot of flack from the boys because my shoes are really big, right? Yeah. And they're like, mate, flipper feet, flipper feet. I'm just like. <laughs> 
man, trust me, my toes feel great in these mm. feet. I can get movement because I've got my toe issues and like getting that extra space is like just so comfortable. And like when I take my boot off, it doesn't feel like I'm taking like, you know, this, whatever, like this, the most tightest thing off. So it's actually, can I actually breathe? So I think, yeah, it's, it's a big thing. And I've only recently started looking into it. Mm. Um, but I think, yeah, toe and feet strength is like so important. Because you think about it, if we compress our feet in these small, narrow shoes, we're not getting any any movement or any yeah. any ability to, to strengthen your feet. So they just become really weak and then you load your Achilles calf. It just goes up the chain. Mm. So I think it's hard. You are sort of baby step it. But if you can start to do some sort of, I call it toe play and things like that, which I've learned from very good physios and podiatrists previously that you know getting your feet moving and getting awareness of your feet is like so important mm. like so important i i spend like because obviously i had foot surgery what like three yeah three years ago now and because of that they said to me they, were, they said i wouldn't gain regain the range of movement in my big toe i was like nah fuck that i was yeah. like i will yeah, what's going on there? yeah so i afterwards i started researching like obviously barefoot shoes and what the benefit yeah. of them is I remember wearing them at first and I was like, this is intense. This is very, very intense. And I started doing a lot of, like now, I it's a habit now that I'll just sit there, I'll just toast, like spread my toes and just hold them there for like 30 seconds and stuff. And, it's amazing. You know, work, just like working obviously the big toe and then working the other four toes as, mm. as you can and just, just constantly moving them. And yeah, like within, I think it was within six months, I had full range back in the big toe, which is, it's massively important. Like it, you don't, you don't realize it unless you lose it, that like it makes it hard to walk sort of thing. But yeah, I would never, like I've got a pair of Adidas Stan Smiths downstairs. Mm. I wear them like once every couple of months because they're just so, so tight and like my feet are now accustomed to having like that wider mm. toe box and that ability to freely move around and stuff like that. I agree. And yeah. Like I, when I wear runners now, sometimes I like they're just because they're so stiff. I find yeah. it so hard to deal with with it because my foot, like, it just becomes so tight so quickly. If that makes sense. Yeah. Well, that's like you wear the Adidas, right? They've got yeah. the carbon plate in them, so they've they've got the carbon plate. In no, them? not the Boston Tens. No. no. Anyway, whatever it is, but yeah, like mm. they're they're stiff, obviously, to help you run longer. You know, you yeah. use them more. You know stronger efficient muscles rather than sort of smashing your feet um so that's sort of the way they are designed but yeah i think you're you're 100 right like runners you know i've i'm still transitioning into a more neutral slash minimal shoe but it's just taking it's take takes a lot of time time and you gotta you gotta drip like i said drip feed yourself um but yeah it's like runners are still you know, like you said, Stan Smith, so I've got Air Maxes at home. Like, yeah. Still. You want to look good. Like, you look good. <laughs> you want to look, look good. good. You look good. But <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's just, it's, yeah, you're creating like, and I'm trying to get myself out of this bunion. Um, you know, most, most people's feet I see in the clinic, everyone's got bunions and, you know, you, you show them, you get them to, to move their toes and most, you know, 80% of the people won't be able to lift their big toe without, yeah, um, with, it, with keeping their other toes down, vice versa. So they're like, "Whoa, I didn't, I don't know how to do that." So you you see that, and you're like, "There's a massive pattern." Um, yeah. But how do you? It's so hard to change, you know. Yeah, you're coming in with a back inj- injury, and you're like, "It's your feet." You know? Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that's the thing, isn't it? It's trying to get people to understand that, like, just because you get pain in the back doesn't yeah. mean it's actually stemming from yeah. the back, the source. Yeah. Like, 
a lot of the time it is the fee yeah. and yeah it's crazy that people like it's because we're in a culture now where like wearing obviously nice shoes but then the nice shoes come at the cost of like you know a massive heel rise the yeah. shoes are stiff you know the toe box is narrow so we lose that that strength in the foot and then like he's my my granddad will not walk around the house without shoes on, and I'm like, really? yeah. He's like, oh, it's, my feet get painful quick, and I'm like, well, because they can't. They're in a cast all the time. All the time, exactly. And that 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 was the thing for me was realizing that most shoes that you're wearing are like a cast. And if you like, so I've got a pair of those like you know like flipper feet shoes, you know the <laughs> the, <laughs> the barefoot shoes. The shoes. <laughs> oh yeah, like and you you. You can literally roll them up or twist them yeah. and do anything with them, and, and then you like get feet in your shoe. Yeah, literally. You get them in your shoe. Yeah, <laughs> and then like obviously you pick up a Stan Smith and the thing's like a brick, and you're yeah. like, oh, I, no wonder people's feet feel that mm. shit sort of thing, you know? Mm. Look, the you and the, the shoes still like this. The, the really rigid shoes have their place, right? Mm. When people are injured and it gets you through a race and stuff. But I think the quicker you can address your feet, you know, instability and strength i think you're gonna win you're gonna yeah. win in the long run um but yeah I'm, I'm i've been doing it for a year now and I've, i'm still slowly transitioning so it takes time that's and that's another thing you gotta you gotta warn people you're not gonna see results no probably for you know you think i'm 27 27 years i have or 26 years i haven't done anything about it. now yeah. i'm starting so yeah. it's gonna take a long long time to get those changes so you have to you have to tell people that yeah my, that's why I drop out. That's why that people don't buy into it. Yeah. It's, it's hard. My, my big thing was I did a hike up Snowdon in the UK, mm. which is like, I think it's the tallest mountain in the UK. And I did it in the barefoot shoes. Did you? Yeah. And it's, it's like, amazing. and it felt, it felt fine. But at that point I was like, shit, I've done a good, like a decent job of this sort of thing. And it was like, because wow. I remember at the start, I would like step on a rock and I'd be like, oh, that doesn't feel good. Mm. And then most of this hike was like, you know, uneven rocks which were unstable mm. and that sort of stuff and it's just really felt good. fine like and it's really good. but it's that thing isn't it like that took me a year year and a half two years to get to that point to be able to do that it's not a case of like you put them on and you can just go and do it because you'll be in fucking pain yeah pretty quickly and it's like and it's like obviously then it's like pushing it onto everything else so like with my knee it's like i know now i can do like i did went to the gym this morning terminal knee extensions like I'm at the stage where I can now do them and like I've started doing some hamstring strengthening and stuff like that and I'm at a point where I can do that and it's like understanding I can do that now yeah. but don't push past that yet until it feels comfortable and then maybe test in a couple of weeks and then do something else but yeah it's that people have to realise like you can't have everything within you know a couple yeah. of days it's, it yeah. takes six months a year kind of thing yeah but that's that's a rare, like two years and doing a hike. In yeah. <laughs> I think that's, that's, that's a credit to you. you know? Like, I don't think that many people could do that. And I think that's more like you pushing through it as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's a good point. Like you definitely take, like everything takes time. And that's, and, I, and that's goes back to everything that I said at the start. You know, you're, you're dealing with people that have pain, but try to get them to buy into the rehab and the strength is like really tough. Yeah, it's massive. It takes time. So, obviously, you said you're now the director of your own, so, uh, your own clinic. Yeah. From starting out, when you're obviously building your client base and stuff like that, how 
did you get yourself to that point where you felt that that you, that you were comfortable doing that? Because obviously, when you started, you mm-hmm. you were basically starting from almost scratch, near enough. Because yeah. you moved you moved suburbs and stuff like that. So, how did you feel making that transition into that sort of role? Yeah, like it was it was more it was more internal. Like the 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 books in terms of like the bookings would say that I was ready, but internally I needed to feel ready. Like I needed to believe in myself. And I think my current business partner, like she gave me that belief. You know, mm. she, she pushed me and, you know, like pushed me to like believe in myself and work on, you know, the, the business side of things and, and become ready because I think, you know, you could be the busiest person ever and you could be the, the most, you know, it could be bringing in all the money, but, if you're not ready, like it could potentially go to go to shit. Yeah. So I had to truly, truly believe in myself to to make that take that step. And then now that I've taken it, it's like shit. Why didn't I do this years ago? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. um, but I think that just comes down to belief. And I and now like no matter what, um, I'm gonna give it all like all the effort in the world. And I feel like if you put effort into something, it's gonna it's gonna succeed. Mm. Um, so I know if I'm putting in the effort, it's gonna succeed. That's that's sort of how I transitioned. It wasn't it wasn't like oh I hit hundred people a week. Not that I do, but I'm just saying like there's a number, and then I'm like okay, I'm ready. It was more like an internal battle. Like, yeah, I can do this, you know. Like it was mm. it was like that, and it, and it helped. Like obviously my my partner as well. Everyone had their influence, but it wasn't until I you know believed in it. So mm. yeah, it really helped. That's the thing, isn't it? A lot of stuff like it took me what probably three years to actually start doing a podcast yeah. because like just that it's that fear of failure fear of yeah. judgment fear of like just everything goes through your head like i don't know if i can do this is it going to be too much work and then i did my first one and it was shit like i did it <laughs> i did it with a mate of mine and it was That's all right. it was fucking awful it never went out and I still have it somewhere, I and think you should post it. oh man, no chance. What's <laughs> 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 uh, no, it's not that. I just interrupting and interrupting, and there was yeah, yeah, and there was not a real flow to the conversation. Yeah. But then, I I was like, oh, that was really shit. It was really shit, and I went away for a week, didn't do anything with it, and I I was like, right, I need to rewatch it, and I just took notes of like, mm. this is where this went wrong. This is why this was shit. This is why this was bad, and yeah, then did a few more. And it got better over time. And there's certain things that you, like, in conversation, you never notice it. But then when you watch yourself back, you notice yeah. you, you have certain words that you throw in sentences for no reason. Yeah. And, Fillers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just it's getting to grips with that. And then I was like, and the, the, the worst bit was, like, posting the first one. Because I was like, oh, shit, what are people oh going to think? What are they thinking of me? Yeah. Oh. yeah. Yeah. And I did it. And then I was like, oh, they just couldn't care. And then, like now, like you've done like fifty. Ah, oh, it's getting on. Nah, it's like thirty-eight, I think now. There you go. But yeah, it's like, and that is it's probably the same with you. Where like when you were start, when you were like, I want to do have my own clinic. It was probably that like, oh shit, what are people? You got like you know, if yeah. it fails, what are people going to think? Yeah. But, but then it's like, if you carry on pushing at it, eventually it'll work out. That you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And it's it's only if you give up. That it won't work, and it, who was it who said it? It was quite. It's quite a funny one. It was like, it, there's that saying. It's you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. But it was like, yeah, it, who, yeah, that's. But then no, it was Post Malone like twisted it, and it was like, um, 
you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. So he's like, just take one. You just never take know. One. Yeah, yeah. yeah, true, true. Yeah, that's true. It's, it's, that's yeah. a, that's a bloody good point. Yeah, I think. Yeah, and like you said as well, like you put the effort in. Like you could have just said, "Nah, I'm mm. no good at this. I'm not going to do it." But you chose to rewatch it or re-listen to it and go through it and find out what you did wrong and then work on it. Yeah, yeah. elevate you. Interviewing the best person in the world. Oh yeah, man. <laughs> best osteo in the world. <laughs> just, just, but yeah, that's yeah, and that's that's it. Like, and then I know now when I put in the effort, it's it, it comes back mm. with everything you do. Yeah, it sounds cheesy, but it's so true. It's so true. If you mm. put no effort into it, if you try and balance so many different things, it's not going to work. Yeah. yeah. How important is finding your niche in a job like yours? Because mm. obviously, you need to a lot of clients come through social media and stuff now so oh, yeah. what 50%. how do you get how do you establish that niche and then what do you do to then push yourself so that you get noticed more and more with it yeah good good question i feel like if any new grad osteos are listening to this you need to push your niche you need to figure out what it is you want to do um and where you want to specialize and for me it took ages you know like oh, i'm not i haven't always been a runner so like I was like I don't know I don't know what I, I don't know like I just want to I guess I love treating people hands on that's my niche I was like my hands on osteo um, but it wasn't until you know silver lining COVID happened and I started running and started building this interest and it just sort of happened you know event, like what you enjoy what you enjoy doing it just sort of like rippled into social media because I'm like I love talking about it so yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna I think the first time you came in all we spoke about was running yeah you know, I treated the same time. time but we just spoke about running so I'm like, shit, okay, this is something I love. So I started, you know, researching more about it, learning about gait analysis, learning about all that stuff. How could I tie this in with what I do um, to make you know, my job fulfilling? So mm. I did that and then it just rippled onto social media. And I think naturally, you know, I put it to myself, I'm like, I really would love to start treating runners because I was treating more so the, the desk people. Like they did running, but it wasn't like they were coming in for running. You know what I mean? Yeah. They were coming in with pain. But I started seeing runners and, you know, it's, it's, it all sort of manifested when I, you know, built this love for it. So I think, yeah, if you, you've got to find your niche and it doesn't come straight away. Like, mm. you know, I'm not going to go, bing, I know exactly what, and it could change. But I think finding something you really love, mm. um, for me, it's running. And then just like pushing it, just pushing it down people's throat. Yeah. Whether you like it, I'm going to tell you. How, how, to, how, to, how to warm up, how to do strength, well, what is it you need? And I'm going to do it on Instagram and that's all, all TikTok, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, I'm still trying to get my head around that one. Yeah. But yeah, and then, then, you, then you'll actually enjoy posting it. You know, mm. I love doing content now because I'm like, shit, I actually learned something. I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. Now I get to teach other people. So yeah. yeah the, so how did you find that transition into the sort of content creation side of it as well because obviously it's not something that when you go to university to be an osteo you, <laughs> yeah. they don't tell you, they that, don't tell you that. that these days this is all you need to like actually build a client base yeah. so because yeah. it's such a tough thing especially because there's millions of people who are putting videos out so what are you doing now because I've, I've obviously seen in the past year seen how your content has actually evolved and mm. it's gotten a lot more a lot more informative mm. rather than just like you know a video of someone on a the bed and, yeah. yeah so what have you done to sort of make yourself stand out in that aspect of it as well yeah good good question so i think the the biggest thing for me is you know i you know being being on instagram being a consumer on instagram being watching you know you see a lot of things right mm. but the one thing that i wanted to i wanted it to be genuine i know 
sounds again cheesy, but like genuine content that I know that works. I've done it myself. Yeah. So I'm not just giving exercise out with like, you know, just like, yeah, try this, you know, like just do that. Um, so I generally try myself and like, I might not post every day, but I know when I do post something, it's going to be it's quality, quality, yeah. quality, you know, and, and you're going to get something out of it. So I think, and that's why sometimes I won't post for a few weeks because I'm like, I just don't have anything new to give you guys. So mm. I will, you know, go, go to the drawing board, try things in the gym. So grateful to have a gym in my clinics. It's like amazing. So I get to try things, speak with people and then put the content out there. And yeah, the hardest part is doing the content because it takes time. And then as we know, we're all time poor. So you've got to try and make the time, film it and then edit it somehow. But I guess the more you do it, the better it becomes. Mm. But yeah, you're right. Like no one told me that you'd have to be posting yeah. <laughs> once a week. <laughs> um, and I remember when um, my now business partner said, oh, well, we're going to work on your Instagram. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I thought I just put a photo of myself and that's it. Like people see me, but yeah. And then, yeah, like you said, it's evolved and now, now I actually enjoy it. So it's mm. good. The first video you did, how many takes did it, was it? And how long did it take <laughs> to edit it? <laughs> oh my, the, the, it was one of my old friends. I had to keep deleting old stuff to try and fit this content yeah. on there. Um, but yeah, so, so bloody many. Like, <laughs> it's just, yeah. And you, and, and you, you want it to be perfect, mm. but then you realize you're like, no one's really you know the ums you know the ums you try and like okay i said um 50 times you know but really you know who cares who yeah. cares like just get it out there and then naturally you'll get better yeah so i think originally i was like oh shit no nah, i said something i said this wrong but to be honest like really everyone's just seeing what the general video is and then they take something out of it not like what you're yeah yeah saying so i think yeah, naturally you just sort of yeah, Get like, <laughs> I, I noticed as well because people have such a short attention span. So when I started editing videos for Instagram, mm. I, what I was doing was not necessarily watching how podcast clips are edited and watching like travel videos and mm. look at how many cuts. Like if someone's walking down a road, it's not just what someone walking down a road is. They've walked, walked, walked. Like they, yeah, there's all cut, these yeah. all these cuts in there. And I was like, all right, I need to, how can I put that into mind? And it was like, just all the spaces, even if it's a, even if it's a second, you take it out, like yeah. because also people want videos under a minute, like and it's it's that kind so of thing, hard. and then it's also like how can I get the value out of there, like so some something we've spoken about, like in in this, like say I take it, I'm like how can I get the value out of whatever you've just said mm-hmm. into a minute, and also make it look good and all the transitions look, and it's just like it's it's a whole. It's a whole sport in itself trying to do it. It is. And it's always evolving, mm. you know? You know, once upon a time, Instagram has wanted 10-second videos. Yeah. But now I feel like it's so good now because people are actually are happy with a minute. Yeah. Which is, I think, enough time. Mm. So what, I, what why, the way I combated it was, all right, I'm going to show you the exercise, but I'm going to have a voiceover in the back. So Because I can't talk whilst exercise. It's really hard. Yeah. So you can you can explain it, but then show it. Yeah. So you're hitting all the areas and you can do that. But yeah, you're right. It's... It's tricky. It's oh. tricky, and yeah, and it was such a you know, clusterfuck yeah. at the start. You know, like you're, you're you're scavenging, you're trying to, and then you know you're posting things. You're like, what is that even like? That that post, like, what does it even mean? Like, it doesn't mm. even show anything. So yeah. I think I, hopefully we keep evolving this way, so then mm. people can get more out of content rather than just yeah, you know, video of me running. Like <laughs> I I did a I did a podcast. It was my first solo one about probably about three months ago and I did it on because I'll say like my PhD is in 
gender affirming hormones and sports mm. performance. Mm. So I was like, I'll do one on trans women in sport and talk about the debate. So I basically used the paper that I had published and went through all the research and now went through like history of trans athletes in mm. sport and mm. you know how it affects uh, aerobic performance, like how, what, how it affects blood markers, um, strength, like went through all these different things. I edited it, edited it. It took me about a week because obviously I was, as I was say, I was talking about one paper. I'd put be putting the paper in there so you can see it, and then I was like getting all the links for them, and, yes. I was, and I've still got it sat there. And I'm like, I kind of I want to put it out, but then I'm like, if I say something slightly mm. off in it, then oh, I'll get ridiculed. But it, it's like I'm still toying with it now mm. as to whether or not to put it out because it's like it's an informative video in terms of like what the debate is and for people who don't understand it it really like i just really broken it down into simple terms because research like you get someone who's general population to read a research paper they don't stand a chance no it's all jargon no. so yeah and it was like i'm still sat there now i'm like do i put it out mm. do it not and it yeah it's like it's that thing isn't it when you first edit stuff where it's just you it's so hard to see the the actual value in it because you're like you're constantly critiquing yourself and how how you've said this thing or you should have said that better or this yeah, better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you should post it today. <laughs> Bloody hell, mate! Well, like, like, I feel like you've done the work. You know, you know, like even if some words or your summary is different to others. Yeah, I guess that's the beauty of social media. Like everyone's got a voice, but um, there's also a lot of people putting on things without any research at all. Yeah. So you've got that to, you know, compete with. So, um, yeah, I think do it. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> the, these episodes that because I've filmed what like five in the past month, so they're going to go out. I think from the end of this month, mm-hmm. and then once a week from there. So I'm debating whether to put that one first and just then go from there because obviously yeah. then there's six. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it's just it's one of those things that like because obviously the the area that it's in. It is, yeah. Like, it's very sensitive, yeah. You go through Twitter, or like the, the, the sort of trans people in sport, Twitter, oh my God. You just mm. ridicule on ridicule on, and it's like, can you be, really be bothered with that, you know? Yeah, it's, yeah. That's that's a tricky question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can see why, but mm. you've done the hard work, though. Yeah, that's know? true. And um, you spent the time mm. giving you some research up to what you want out of it. Yeah. So, run club. Why why did you start a run club and what has it brought to you as a result of that? Yeah, so it wasn't I, I you know run club was never in my vision. Um, it wasn't until I went to um, a run club in South Yarra called Run South Yarra and the community vibe that they brought was just amazing. Like people were just like coming out of their skin. Like people that have never been in social groups ever. Like started meeting and talking and then running you know it was yeah. amazing the only reason why yeah like I, I was torn because it was like i was like it's just so far you know and then i tried to look for something in the west and i was like what's what's in the west you got rewind west in williamstown which is a great run club but it still wasn't yeah where i was and i was like shit what do i do here and i thought about it and yeah i just another thing i'm just like you know what it wasn't it. I didn't even go through those steps of do I believe it or whatever. I just like was like, you know what? I want to start a community. I want to start something. Mm. And um, the opportunity came, and I was like, let's do it. Like, yeah, let, let, let's let's go. Like, I was I was trying to hunt for someone to do it with, and I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna do it myself. You know, yeah. 
And I, yeah, the first day, obviously the first days always was nerve wracking, you know, all my patients and then just friends supported me. So it was like, it was a false sense. And I was just like, okay, now just try and slowly get into it, slowly get into it. And then slowly it sort of built a small little community, which is really nice. And mm. hopefully we can expand and, you know, on a weekend or something, like I was saying, that we can be, be a bit more inclusive. But yeah, I think it was never in the uh, the vision, but yeah, it just sort of came about. And it's been sick. It's been yeah. really cool. Yeah, because yeah, I, I obviously went to the first one and yeah. it was like, I don't know, because if, if I was to start something like that, my thought would be like, what if no one turns up? But there yeah. was like, there was a fair few people yeah. at the well, first one. Like I said, friends and mm. friends and patients and friends. Yeah. We're our friend now. But yeah, it, I, but yeah, of course, I sat there and I was like, is anyone going to go? Yeah. <laughs> You know, and uh, I know my, my partner, she's always there. She's always, there. if anyone's going to come, she'll come. She's like, oh, I'm here. I'm like, mm. yeah, yeah, I know, I know. But yeah, is that innate fear? But I don't know. You just, you try. You yeah. try and um, like you said, you put effort into it and mm. it goes well. And like, I think once once Saturdays come about and people can actually, it's like very accessible. I think being a Monday morning is like the toughest day of the week. No one yeah. wants to do anything on a Monday. Nah. Um, but to see how many people are coming is like, a credit to them like they're all they're all giving it a go which it'd be is... nice though now like going forward obviously oh the weather's gosh, just getting so amazing. much like better. I checked last night I'm like oh my god it's over 10 degrees yeah. like, <laughs> I wore a t-shirt today right yeah. I was like who am I so I think yeah I think the weather does help but mm. to be honest like the, the events do as well yeah, there's a lot of events throughout the year through winter yeah because it's the best time to do events because you're not overheating mm. so I think people were really diligent so yeah. it really helped to get, yeah. get it to keep going yeah there's one the one event i want to do over here is the great ocean road marathon yeah man that looks good because it was on my birthday last year and i was like i just i would love to do that so like when when i've been home done because i come home i come back here uh around like the first of november Mm. so hopefully by then my knee's going to be in a place where like i can start building to run again like i can i can get on the bike now which is good Mm. yeah so from there it's like just build and build it and then yeah, want to get into some events in the next like year and stuff because I fucking miss running it. so much. It. Yeah. yeah, I think Great Ocean Road run. Yeah, that's in everyone's mm. eyes, but it's a bloody tough run. Oh, my, yeah. my good friend did it and he smashed it. But like, yeah, he said it was like super hard. So yeah, very hilly and beautiful, but very hilly and very hard. So yeah, yeah that'll be a good one. I'll do it with you, man. Oh, man. <laughs> after, after. We'll have a birthday bash. <laughs> Great Ocean Road. What a great way Absolutely. to spend your birthday. Yeah, like because obviously the weather's gone so nice the past couple of days I'm, like, yeah. I'm actually regretting going home because obviously at home they're going into yeah, winter now and I'm like what degrees is it there now uh, to be fair it's hotter than here at the minute oh still hot okay, okay. so it's still okay yeah but like and by within two weeks it'll be like eight degrees and, oh it drops that quick oh, does man, it? yeah it drops wow. it drops off big time and it's like oh, I just I just can't be bothered with this shit weather <laughs> for so long <laughs> oh yeah, that's tough but you know you gotta do it you yeah because that was the thing as well. Like, obviously, I said I was debating whether or not to to come back and stuff. But then, like, my I was with my mate the other night, and we were like, "How good is someone going to be?" I was like, "Yeah, it's going to be good." It's going to be amazing. I was like, I "Have to just go for to. it every year." Yeah, and I feel like it's going to like I don't know. I don't I know too much about the season, but everyone keeps saying it's going to be a hot summer. So, well, because yeah. last year was right a bit delayed. A bit delayed. You lot moan about this. You lot moan about your summer last year. I was like, that was a fucking best really? summer. Yeah, because oh, it was maybe so. I'm just a suck. Because, <laughs> like, back home, it, like, our summer is literally, you have, like, a, a week of, like, 30-odd, mm. and then the rest of it's, like, 20, 21, maybe it creeps That's up so to 25, nice, 26. Though. 
Yeah, but like it, it'll rain a lot. Like yeah, if, yeah. if we get a week of like over thirty, you're guaranteed a week of like throwing it down. Oh, okay. And like here, like it rains, but it rains for like ten minutes and it's done. Really? Whereas at home, it rains all the time. Like it doesn't stop See, all day. Like here, you can go. I have a different perception. Of yeah, like <laughs> here, if I get up here and I'm like, oh, it's raining, I'm like, probably stop in about an hour or two. Be fine. I can go out after. Yeah, Whereas at yeah. home, if I get up and it's raining, I'm like, all right, I'm done. Day's done. Can't do anything. Like. See, I, I see it as in, we, yeah, it might rain for an hour, but it's going to rain again. No. And then stop, and then be windy, and then uh, I don't know what we're going to get. Go spend a year in Britain. Yeah, that's, well, that's, that's, what, that's what everyone keeps telling me, and yeah, maybe I need to be a bit more grateful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but so so what what's the future sort of look like for you? Obviously, you've recently started this clinic, like it's yeah. in the past within the past six months sort of thing, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, so, very new, very new. Yeah, yeah, so what what does sort of the next year look like for you? Yeah. What are you planning on doing? Well, I guess the the biggest thing for me is is continue to grow the business. You know, I've got Matt, one of my colleagues, starting there, so there's going to be two of us, and then looking to hopefully get another person in in the new year. So I guess expanding in that sense, you know, growing the business and creating a bit of a, a vibe in Maidstone, which is where it is. Um, and then, you know, with running, you know, whether I play footy next year, that's still up in the air. You know, we get we got into a granny again, so I'm like, oh my gosh, like, mm. it happened again. I'm like, it always <laughs> sucks me back in, but you know, obviously push running to a to a new level. Like, I really want to do another marathon, um, mm. and then you know, grow the run club as well. So I think it's just about expanding what I'm already doing and just keep keep learning, keep growing. Mm. Um, you know, whether I'm going to inspire people in the way that's that's just, just we'll see how that goes. But yeah, just keep growing and keep keep learning. Yeah. That's before we end, I want to do a little bit of like a sort of myth busters for running. Because let's go, let's go. So, so like, let's do it. <laughs> so, like, do people need carbon fiber plated shoes? Carbon plated shoes, like the the insert. Yeah. So, like the the night vapor flies, oh, and yeah. alpha flies, and stuff like that. Ah, oh, they look bloody awesome. Though, they look they? good. Um, but... that uh, you don't know, you don't need them. That you don't. You don't. Yeah, it might. It might enhance. It does. It, I think it definitely does enhance. Like, it, mm. like the alpha, like the alpha flies. I don't think they've got the. I don't think they're fully. Anyway, I'm not too into the whole shoes, but I definitely think it helps. But you don't need it. Yeah, you don't need it. I saw. I'll, I'll go back and I was in run. I did run Melbourne. I saw it. He would have been sixty plus. He was wearing barefoot shoes and he was smashing me. I was like, right. you don't need them. Yeah, you don't. I'm in my alpha flies. Think I'm the best. <laughs> and this guy just cruises past me like nothing. Yeah. You know? So you don't need them. No. <laughs> yeah. They look good. They look definitely, great. You definitely don't great. need them, yeah. But I need them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I need them for confidence. Yeah, I need them for, for, my, for my bung feet, yeah. yeah. It's like wearing your Oakley sunglasses. They add 10 miles an hour. Yeah, so like, 100%. As soon as you got your alpha flies, your Oakleys on, you just, you've taken yeah. 10 minutes off your marathon time easy. Like, <laughs> don't even need the training. Yeah. So for people who are getting into running as beginners, what five things would you suggest they do in terms of like, a pair of shoes they would get, yeah. like nutrition, like in terms of how to structure their training, what mm. would you recommend? I think the best thing, so shoes, <laughs> shoes, you, you, I don't know, it's sort of my mind's changed, but like what I, like what I think still is relevant is getting your gait assessed mm. by Athletes Foot or the running company, one of those two. Um, running company is really good. Um, so I'd go there. They assess you and they put you in a, the right shoe for you. And the good thing is they got they got a guarantee. So if it doesn't work for you, you can give them back. You know, and you can yeah. try again. Um, so that's a good one. Getting fitted. 
And then the next one is obviously start slow, like we said, mm. don't kill yourself. Yeah. Like people have this idea of like, you know, you're, you're running when you're, you're young and you did 5Ks in primary school and you're like, I could do that again. But mm. it's no, you gotta, you got to slow. So interval, I think, interval training is probably one of the best things to do at the start. Um, nutrition, like I don't really bounce too much on nutrition because I, I, I've only done a short little glimpse of it. But I think hydration, if anything, hydration is so important, you know. Um, decrease, you know, caffeine and all those, you know, things that are going to get you dehydrated and then, and then continue like to drink lots of water. That way you're feeling good. Mm. Um, but the only bit of food advice I could give is when you are about to run, you obviously just the old school method, like give it two hours, like don't eat just before you're like, yeah. no, I need to <laughs> smash it. Um, so I think that's a good little good little advice and then um if you are going to get into running start some form of weights training so whether it is you know just some basic body weight stuff mm. or isometric stuff because it's so because you can do it at home you don't need a gym for it and then building and then obviously you can evolve that um into sort of band work or lightweights and then mm. keep evolving a lot of you but never know you might really enjoy it so i think those are probably the 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 best five to the interval fitted weights hydration and just not eating just before you run. Yeah. <laughs> Get a massive stitch. We've, we've all made that mistake. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. So, that, yeah, that's, that's, I've done that many times before. Footy scoffed myself with a banana or something, and then I have heartburn oh. for, you know, the hour of training. It's like, why did I do that? So, yeah. Yeah. So, if you could pick one exercise, it, like gym based exercise, which you would use for everyone for running carbs. <laughs> really? Just, carbs. just, just calf raises. Nah, like, oh, yeah, I think because it's bang for buck, because if you're doing barefoot, you've got your feet involved yeah and then you could you, everyone's got a wall at home so we can use a wall you know, mm. to lean up against and then lift so you can actually train the you know the achilles and calf and the calf complex um but there is you know there is obviously the seated calf as well because you want to get the soleus to which is the deeper calf so i think one of those two but if you could do both do the both mm. um because when you're running fast you need your gastrox your superficial calf to be strong to yeah. get that power and your Achilles, of course, as well. It offloads all the pressure. And then your deep calf, which is the soleus, that's more, you're, you're running for long periods. That's like your workhorse. So you mm. need both of them to work well. And then you get your feet straight. So you get yeah. rid of both. You get rid of both. Um, but that's not to discredit any other exercise. I just think if you want bang for buck and you're not doing anything, that's mm. probably what you'd add in. Because you can work on hip drive yeah. when you're running and stuff. But that would be like your bang for buck. Yeah. One I found that really i like i think this is like probably the best one for running is a squat but on the toes oh yeah because yeah, yeah that'd be, the, that'd the, be awesome. obviously you're recruiting through the whole chain and it's like uh, like there's a guy um i'll have to send you his instagram um he's like heavy kettlebell focused mm. the guy lifts with a barbell like once every like few weeks but yeah. he could like he's reverse lunging like 160 kilo like Jesus. the guys, the guys are beast. Yeah, but he does a lot of like if it's like offset kettlebell or barbell squats, but on the toes. And obviously, wow. if you think, and he obviously he's doing it barefoot, so the recruitment of the toes under a heavy load. Like obviously, I'm not saying everyone go and lift a heavy load up. Start out, start out low, but yeah, like because it's just recruiting everything. Maybe like obviously not that much hip flexor work, but other than that, like it's hit. I think it's hitting the whole chain that you kind of mm. need for running. Hundred mm. percent. But the only thing that is, it's just difficult. Like, yeah, it's if difficult. You're thinking about Gen Pop starting to run. Yeah, 
that's hard. That's yeah. hard. Like I really, I would even find that pretty tough. So, um, whilst it is amazing, it's not for everyone. Got to cater to. <laughs> we can't all be athletes. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. That's that's that would be cool. But yeah, mm. calf work. Calf yeah. Work. Yeah. We're, so if you could train one of the two, which would it be? Triple flexion or triple extension? Because I've got an opinion on this, and I'm like, I'm big on it, but I want to hear yours. Far out, that's tough, man. Yeah, I feel like they're both amazing. Because oh. flexion gets neglected a lot. Yeah, and it does. But but so does extent. Ah, like it just depends. Ah, it depends who, like, what you're doing, like day to day. Like for me, I do a lot of extension work because I'm refining my strengths. Mm. Um, yeah, you're right. Flexion, yeah, it's a tricky one. I don't know. That's a good one. Yeah. I, I think. Let's say in terms yeah. for running, of just just for running, based on what injuries we see and stuff like that. What, which would you say is more important? Yeah. I, well, I see most. Like I do give out a lot of extension stuff, but then lately I've been pushing the more the flexion stuff. So I think. I think I think the chronic injuries is more like a lack of flexion I would say and then you know your more acute ones would be the extension but it's hard to say which one would be more important yeah. I think I think if you can balance both yeah can I, be, can I say that yeah I'll give you that <laughs> take a cop out go I on. don't know it, it was a, I've never thought of it like because you know when you, someone comes in you just sort of you just sort of you find instabilities and you might give a bit of both you yeah know? Um, but yeah I'd love to hear your take on it what are you thinking I'm massive for triple flexion, especially for those who are highly trained because I can guarantee they do not work the tib anterior and they do not work hip flexors. No, hip flexors, no way. Like, so that, like, if if it's gem pop, I will take your cup out of, like, I'll do both. But, yeah, like, for someone who's highly trained or, like, even even they've been training for six months, I can guarantee they've not done anything flexion-based. So, and because if you think as well, like we, we always focus on the extension phase, the triple mm, extension, mm. but when we actually, but then we're neglecting the fact that actually to run, you've got to be able to have that cycle of bringing into triple flexion before the landing. And then that's how obviously you flow. So it's like, and a lot of, like a lot of people who run hip flexor injuries, a lot of people who run get shin splints because mm. they're just not, they've not got that strength in that in that flexion phase I don't think anyway yeah and yeah like I think a tib raise or even like cable hip flexion massive Uh, like the huge for you know runners Mm. and stuff 100% 100% I think hip flexion like you you tell someone they're like what yeah what do you mean what do you mean lift lift kettlebell and drive (laughs) your knee up like it it blows people's mind and yeah the tib raise as well and because they freaking hurt people are like screw this shit um, yeah, I think you're hundred percent right. And I guess in my sense, I'm like, I haven't really worked with, well, I'm beginning to, but I'm only sort of starting to work with those people that really want to go to that next level. So yeah. you can do that stuff with them and they love it. They're like, give, give me more, give me yeah. more. Whereas, you know, the, the more common injuries, you know, you go, all right, let's just strengthen your, your car. Let's just strengthen your, yeah. your hamstrings and stuff. So yeah, it's 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 a good it's a good one though. It's a, I think that's a good way to look at it. I think yeah, you're right. Like those things get often forgotten. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, you should definitely train. Train. Yeah, 
Sorry for the cop out. <laughs> I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Trying to be a balance. Yeah. Well, no, uh, yeah, I've re- like obviously I don't want to keep you much longer. We've been going for an hour and twenty already, so it's like hey, I'm here all day, mate. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'll just I'll ask you one final question. It's one that I ask everyone who comes on, and that's yeah. how would you like to be remembered? Uh, that's a great question as well. You're really good at this, mate. Um, <laughs> I would I would just like to be remembered. I don't know, just having an impact on your life, like a po- a positive impact, mm. like. Like if someone's, you know, you know, if I retire or you know, whatever happens to me, it's like that little guy was, he, he, he did this for me. It mm. doesn't have to be like he was positive as this. It's just like he had an impact. Yeah. Like have an impact on someone. I think mm. that's what's really important. Um, it doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. Having an impact on someone. Amazing. So where can people find you or like on Instagram and stuff? Like obviously I'll put the links down below whether you yeah. just want to say where people can find you in that. Yeah. So Instagram, TikTok. Osteo with Will is my name. Mm. Um, then we've got our Alpha Sportsman page, which is like for all our clinics. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's where you can find me. Um, run West. I couldn't get the actual Run West, so I had to go Run West. Yeah. Go e. <laughs> um, so that's where you can find the Run Club as well. Um, and that's that's all the other, that's the amount of. Um, social media I can handle so that, that mm. is all yeah <laughs> nah and then also obviously you can buy the hoodies still can't you yeah yeah like yeah. Um, oh there's not much there's only small sizes left and big big sizes so like all the middle in between yeah. ones are gone but um, I'm looking to hopefully get some t-shirts for summer so that'll be cool mega alright yeah. nice one for coming on mate appreciate Thanks. it Hello. that was fun thank you for watching that episode with Will um, absolutely amazing guy I really appreciate him for coming in and doing this we did it a while ago Actually, just after I'd had knee surgery, so I'd just started walking at that point. Um, so yeah, he's been he's been a great help with that, and he's just a really knowledgeable and insightful guy into the industry that he works in, and also, you know, building things like Run West, building your own run club from scratch. I remember when he was starting it out, and he was a bit nervous to do it, and now it's a massive success. So props to him for that. You can find all his links down in the description below, so go follow him um, on Instagram and anywhere that you can, and I will see you next week for another episode. P.S. Please, can everyone go like, subscribe, comment, all that shit, because only 1% of you subscribe to the podcast out of the everyone that watches, which is shit. So let's get that number up a little bit, just a little bit, that's all I'm asking. So yeah, thank you very much, and I'll see you next week for another episode. Peace.